Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, it's your boy Aaron Tobin Hess, episode 37 for the love of the game. Let's roll. Okay, it is your boy back in the studio. Uh, two episodes coming your way in less than a week. Let's just say I have a lot to talk about, and it is my duty to my legion to be on top of things and to educate the people and give the people what they deserve. Always great to be in the studio behind the mic, so let's get it. Lots to discuss from this past weekend in the world of sports, an action-packed weekend. Uh, let's start with college football. Last week's top four teams, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan all won rather convincingly, so their position stayed the same in the latest rankings. A couple of big games coming up. Notre Dame, who stands number three right now, plays number 13 Syracuse, and then there's also a looming matchup between number four Michigan and Ohio State, who's in the top 10 as well. These games can really shape the landscape of the college football playoff. We'll see how it all shakes out, and I hope for the sake of last episode recurring guest, Mr. Jordan Marks, that Michigan stays in the mix and keeps playing great football and ultimately makes the playoff. So last week I gushed about Zion Williamson of Duke and his performance against Kentucky. Sunday at 1 this past week, uh, the same time the NFL kicked off, Duke tipped off against Army. I chose to watch the Duke game over the NFL games, uh, at least to start, because I really wanted to check out Zion. And what do you know? Zion Williamson was awesome yet again. He shot 11 for 14 for 27 points and added 16 rebounds and another 6 blocked shots. Just a ridiculous stat line. Now, credit Army for hanging in this game and playing it tough, especially in the first half. Now, also, the other diaper dandies, as Dick Vitale would say, uh, for Duke, Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett were really good, too. But this is about Zion. He is this weird mutant mix of Charles Barkley, Sean Kemp, Blake Griffin, and Ben Simmons, and just a freak of nature, and he is absolutely must-watch television. 
Now onto the pro ranks. I gotta give a little shout out to the New York Rangers who have been on an absolute tear lately. They have won four of their last five games and the one loss came in overtime which results in a point. Just playing tremendous hockey uh, up and down their roster. It's not really just one guy who's been really hot. Just getting uh, contributions from pretty much everybody uh, and playing a real cohesive brand of hockey. Uh, I hope to catch up on all things Rangers in a little bit more depth on this show sometime soon. I've been meeting to do that. Just, uh, just uh, the schedule has worked out this way so far. On to the NFL, which is kind of a crappy slate of games, uh, especially the early games uh, were quite boring. A couple of few highlights from the weekends. The Saints dominated yet again. I was on the wrong side of that pick. I had the Bengals plus five and a half. Well, that was pretty crappy. The Falcons proved why my rule of never backing the Falcons outside should always hold true as they lost to the lowly Browns. The Patriots had one of those days where they just looked flat out bad. Just a blip in the radar for them. I know Tom Brady's 41, but the Patriots kind of do this all the time. So we'll see what happens with them. I I don't expect this to be anything long-term for the Patriots. The Bears looked absolutely fierce against the Lions. And the New York Jets. Wow, just just wow. Uh, They lost to the lowly Buffalo Bills, for those of you who don't know, 41-10. The Bills started Matt Barkley, a quarterback who hasn't played in over two years. The Bills hadn't scored more than 11 points in a game for over a month, yet they hung 41 on the Jets. Be more pathetic, Jets. You can't. You absolutely can't be more pathetic than that. Todd Bowles needs to go. Really, just everyone needs to go. The Jets are always going to be the Jets, and it's just the way it is. And lastly, the New York Giants won a game this week. Uh, Eli Manning's last-minute touchdown drive gave them the win over the 49ers. Not that the 49ers are good, or not that this changes the long-term plans for the Giants, but it feels nice to watch a win, and I was kind of happy for Eli, who's been much maligned a lot of it's his fault some of it's not his fault but it's good to see him get a win again oh and after a rough start to the football weekend i ended up finishing three and two in my picks against the spread another above 500 week for your boy so the beat goes on and now on to tonight's main topic the nba my passion my love the greatest league in all the land. Lots to discuss, and I'll be having a great discussion with a recurring guest in the next couple of minutes. But before I do, two things need to be discussed. The Lakers are finally over 500, and they picked up Tyson Chandler from the Phoenix Suns, which happens to be a great pickup for the Lakers, who were desperate, absolutely desperate for another center uh, to play behind JaVale McGee so that LeBron, or even worse, Kyle Kuzma, don't have to be playing center for the Lakers. Now, the Lakers still have some issues, but this should definitely help them defensively going forward, where they were absolutely putrid on that end of the floor. I mean... The Lakers were giving up on average when JaVale McGee wasn't in the game close to 120 points a game if you were to uh, put those minutes over the 48 minutes. Uh, Tyson Chandler is exactly what they needed. We'll see what happens with the Lakers. Still a little bit that they need to figure out, and I was hoping to have a uh, my Laker extraordinaire on the show, but uh, I couldn't make it tonight, but hopefully we'll be speaking to him soon. Interesting move for the Lakers, good move for the Lakers, low price move for the Lakers. We'll see how that results in the wins and loss columns going forward. And secondly, the Jimmy Butler saga is finally over. He was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. 
for Robert Covington, Dario Saric, and a second-round pick. Now, a lot to unpack in this trade, so uh, let's break it down a little bit. For Philly, this was an absolutely no-brainer. Jimmy Butler brings defense and a guy who can create his own shot at the end of the game, something that they were sorely lacking. Philly now is three of the top 15 players in the league on one team. And they didn't even have to give up a first-round pick in this trade. Just a steal for Philly. Now, they have to be able to sign him long-term in the offseason, and all indications is that they have this wink-wink deal in place. But the so-called process that Philly was doing uh, is now pretty much complete. This should be uh, their team going forward, the uh, big three of... Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Jimmy Butler should be the core of this team for the next four or five years. Now, Jimmy Butler comes with some baggage. Uh, What he pulled with Minnesota was pretty crappy. He sabotaged that whole situation and acted like a complete asshole for months. He now has had a messy divorce with two teams and is still looking for a max deal in the offseason, so he better play nice with his new teammates and not be, or I should say, act like an asshole again, but the talent is undeniable. Now, the Sixers still need some outside shooting, um, but they are not done shaping this roster. I can't imagine that this is a finished product. Philly is going to be a super, super tough team going forward. I expect them to make the necessary moves, and they're really going to be a major player in the East. As for the Minnesota Timberwolves, well, they screwed this up as bad as they possibly could. They thought it could make it work with Jimmy, and it did not work. And they have tanked so far this season. They held out for better offers, and guess what? They got the worst offer. Had they taken the Miami Heat's offer uh, for Josh Richardson and uh, a pick and being able to absorb the contract of Gordie Jang to provide salary cap relief. That would have been way better for Minnesota, but they held out. They thought they could make it work, and it absolutely backfired. And again, they didn't even get a first-round pick in the deal. And this is precisely why you don't have a coach be the coach and the general manager or the president of operations as well. The interests of those two positions conflict each other. Tom Thibodeau, as a coach, wants to win games. Tom Thibodeau, as an executive, should be working for the best interests of the franchise. And in this case, it was a long-term view that he didn't take because he wants to win games. Because if he doesn't win games, he's getting fired. And now you're left with this deal. Now, Robert Covington is a nice player, a 3 and D guy. Dario Saric is a nice player also. They can help the Wolves this year. But the Wolves aren't going anywhere, especially not this year. Now, we'll see if Carl Anthony Towns wakes up and becomes the dominant version of Carl Anthony Towns that we all uh, expected out of college and has shown flashes now that Jimmy Butler's out of there. But the T-Wolves season isn't really going to improve much this year. You didn't get a long-term asset, and they really screwed this thing up. And Tom Thibodeau will probably lose his job, and justifiably so, because this was ridiculous. This deal should have been done weeks ago. It never should have gotten to this point, and there you have it. So, tough look for the Timberwolves, and we're going to discuss more of this and other NBA topics in just a couple of minutes with one of my favorite recurring guests.
All right, so one of the teams that were exceedingly interesting going into the season, uh, the Boston Celtics have struggled out of the gates a little bit. And I wanted to have one of my favorite recurring guests who happens to be a Celtics fan. So uh, happy to talk a lot of things Celtics and a lot of things NBA related. Uh, Zanvi Grauman, welcome back, my man. How are we doing? Thank you for the welcome. Doing well, my man. Always a pleasure to be here talking hoops with my man. NBA season is the best. It's just the best. Let's dive right in. So a lot has gone on around the league, but I really wanted to uh, chat with you about the Celtics. Weird start to them, or I should say weird start to their season. Their offense is like 24th or something like that in the bottom of the league. Their defense is ranked number one. Uh, What are you seeing out of the Celtics? And just give me your thoughts on their start so far. Yeah, sure. Uh, So... Going into the season, if they were incredible, if they were undefeated up at this point, you wouldn't have been surprised. Understanding that these, uh, what would have been role players last year, got an opportunity to be the man in the playoffs, you know, the Browns, the Tatum, it's somewhat understandable for there to be growing pains this early into the season. Um, in terms of what the main problems are, to what I'm seeing at least right now, it just looks like we're very reliant on swinging, moving the ball, and getting a, a nice look as opposed to attacking. That's one of the main things that I'm seeing. But given what the talent, what, what this team has shown talent-wise over the past couple of years, especially last year, I don't think it's anything to get too nervous about this early. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I was listening and reading up a little bit on the Celtics because – Going into the year, I thought they were going to be the class of the East. Um, I thought that they were going to easily blow away their season win total over under and go over. Um, but they they struggled out of the gate. Now they generate a tremendous amount of open looks uh, according to the advanced stats. They just haven't been hitting them. But they've also relied a lot on early second. Um, I should say early shot clock mid-range jumpers as opposed to taking more, you know, three-pointers or or driving to the rim, um, which is, as we all know, is not necessarily the most efficient shot. Now, again, if their shooting percentages were better, it'd probably look a little better. But the Celtics are in a weird spot. Um, They are paying a lot of money to Gordon Hayward, uh, and justifiably so after the year he was coming off and – they uh, when they signed him, he was a all NBA caliber player, and then he got hurt, and now they're trying to integrate him and a little bit less so Kyrie Irving back into the offense, who are two ball dominant guys who are excellent playmakers. The problem is, is that Gordon Hayward just hasn't looked right. He's not there yet, which is which is great. Um, but when you're trying to win a lot, a lot of games, well, not great. Well, yeah. no, it's not great, but. When you're trying to win a lot, a lot of games and work him back, it's kind of tough because they're going to be growing pains like that. So, I mean, I know Bill Simmons has talked about how it's inconceivable how they keep playing Gordon Hayward, you know, in, in crunch time right now when he's not ready. And as you said, you know, the the other guys had to step up, Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum, but also the bench guys like Rogier and uh, Marcus Morris, and there's just not as many minutes. 
and Marcus Smart as well. And there's just not as many minutes to go around. And it's almost like the Celtics are, have like this champagne problems where they have just too many guys to play. No. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, everybody knew that going in that hey, Kyrie and Gordon are not here during the playoffs. We're playing very well. There are clearly going to be some issues going into the next season. Not necessarily negative. It kind of seems that it looks like the team is so selfless that they're all hesitant. All of them are hesitant to kind of be themselves. Like Kyrie, for the last two weeks, has been more himself as opposed to you know whatever, however early the start was decided. Well, he's getting back. Take a little oh, time for them to find. Yeah, I think it's going to take a little time for them to each find what their role is. Like you said, given their minutes, they can't all be everything they were, but. It takes a little time to figure out what exactly their role is going to be in their minutes. Well, some guys, you know, are just better suited playing more minutes. And the guys who seem to be getting squeezed right now the most are Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier. I mean, Jalen Brown showed tremendous growth from year one to year two last year. Um and as being an, an offensive force and a defensive force. And Terry Rozier, who stepped in for Kyrie Irving, you know, and really played like a top half-level point guard in the league for a long stretch of time, I mean, maybe he's just not suited to play 19 minutes. And, and that's something they're going to have to figure out because he's a restricted free agent. And there's going to be other teams going after him at the end of the year, I should say, in the offseason. And... I'm not sure if the the Celtics are in a little bit of a bind to, because they don't want to lose the asset, but they also they they can't necessarily cater to to playing Terry Rozier what Terry Rozier is worth playing almost. It, it's just a weird spot that they're in. It's a weird spot. It's a uh, I think it's a, it's a plus spot. It's a good spot to be in. You don't want to have to deal with players who you don't care about. It's good to have the talent and figure out how you're going to deal with it. Trade it, let it go, play it more minutes, whatever it might be. Uh, Jalen and Rozier were the guys right prior to the last year's injury that were the guys that were going to get less minutes. They definitely showed up as well as Tatum last year. But again, it's expected to come down at least slightly given given the pay grade level between them and, and Kyrie and Gayward. So Kyrie Irving, oh sorry, games in or, or, yeah, yeah, thirteen games in is is a is a pretty small sample size for a group of guys that all have talent, you know, trying to figure it all out, and they're plus five hundred though. So. Sure, I, it's just you know, but they they've just struggled on offense and giving the talent that they've had. Or I should say that they have, not that they've had, they have. Right. You just don't expect a team like that to to struggle and be bottom of the league offensively. Um, and and they, it's not like they were world beaters on offense last year. I mean, they ranked at the end of the year 18th in offense, but that's a lot better than 24th or something like that. I mean, it's just it's just a little bit of a weird start. And and Kyrie, uh, you know, had a little bit of a weird start. Also, he's getting over some knee issues, um, but he's picked it up a little bit. Uh, the guy who's had the weirdest start to me is Jason Tatum, uh, the uber talented, exceedingly promising second year forward who looked like he can be potentially a potential MVP of the league at the end of last year and last year's playoffs. What have you seen from Tatum? Uh, and just give me your thoughts on, on what he's going through right now as, as a Celtics fan. Right. 
But going into the season, I thought it was either going to be Kyrie or him that had, as you're calling, the weirdest start. Because last year, in the playoffs, Tatum was the best player on the team. He was the guy that carried them. Coming into this year, you expect Kyrie to come back and take over best player on team title. Obviously, that is going to be somewhat of an issue between two players who are, quote-unquote, the men. So I think it was going to affect one of them, possibly and probably both of them, to start. I expect both of them to be themselves in their role, but figure out how to do that around each other. I think they're both selfless, good players. Kyrie, I don't know enough. I don't. I can't get a full handle on him just yet. But I think definitely the rest of the Celtics are selfless players that just want to get it right, get it done. But I expect Kyrie to be the same. Tatum's shot selection has been a little off um, to me. You know, a lot more mid-range pull-ups. Um, just. Not getting to the basket nearly as much, and he and he's so talented that he can get any shot he wants. But I also just don't right. think he's been aggressive enough. Like he needs to be either the best or the second best player on the floor for them, for them to really reach their right. potential. And I think I think he just, he really just needs to be more selfish. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he, he, Kyrie, the you know the, the the playmakers on the team definitely have to be more aggressive. They have to attack. I couldn't agree more. He he looks very. I don't want to say disengaged, but he doesn't look as engaged as he was when obviously the world saw him. And when he's been aggressive, he to pick oh, it up. They, they're a little hesitant. No, go ahead. Yeah, and and when he's been aggressive, as I was just, I was just going to say, I didn't realize you were continuing to uh, your, your point. But when he's been aggressive, it's been very early in the in the clock, and not that that's necessarily a bad thing because defense is set. But you'd like it to be a little bit more like there's should be a little bit more continuity. But but you need him to be aggressive, and I, and I haven't watched enough of them to really pinpoint it just you know it was an observation i've seen four or five games that i've watched of his that if he doesn't have it going immediately he kind of drifts a little bit and they can't have that right it looks like full team hesitance is a weird way to put it that kind of everybody is feeling each other out and how much can i do how much can i do me on a team with so much talent and i think it just takes a little time you know so here's the interesting thing about the Celtics, because it's not just this year that they're going to have this issue. Um, they are going to have a major issue going forward. Uh, as you know, Kyrie Irving is a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, he can he can walk. Um, they have Terry Rozier, who could potentially walk. They have these two young guys on rookie contracts, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, that are staggered. You know, and... Credit to Danny Ainge because he's done a great job of staggering their, these contracts. But with Jason Tatum sort of making that leap, right, where he's going to be kind of like an alpha dog for a team, and you have Kyrie Irving who's had a couple of knee surgeries, who's still a, a tremendous player. Um, and I have grown to lo- like Kyrie's game more in his one year at the Celtics than he, he ever showed me with the Cavs. So I'm a Kyrie guy. Now... Does any small part of you, as a Celtics a lot more fan, challenge around him. right? Any small part of you, uh, for as a Celtics fan, think that maybe it's time to give the keys to Jason Tatum, pay Rozier, you know, somewhere between around eighteen 
you know, to $20 million and let Kyrie walk in free agency because, because Kyrie's going to get a max contract. And with his injury history, it may not look so good for those books. Your thoughts? It's a very interesting topic. Uh, I don't agree to hand the keys to Tatum. I would love to see what this team is fully healthy against the talent in the league with Kyrie at the helm. We had, we didn't get that last year. I'd like to see what that. If you want to see how it plays out when well, when the team is fully healthy, right? Last year we brought these two guys in, assuming everyone would be healthy, and wow, what what kind of team is this going to be to give it a shot? We didn't get that yet. So I think to make those those conclusions. Not necessarily incorrect, but I think a little too early until we see, you know, a much larger sample size with this team. I mean, remember they were incredible before they got injured, so yeah, or on the, on the rise to being incredible. I mean, they're not going to. They, yeah. they would never move Kyrie at the deadline. Like that's not happening because there's no reason for them to do so. But it's just a thought I've had, you know, given where they are and if Rozier could be. Because one of the two things is going to happen. Either they're going to trade Rozier at the deadline and get something for him because he he can't, you know, he he's not maximizing his his uh, level as an asset or as a player playing as many minutes as he is. But because he's behind the guy who's, you know, a top five point guard in the league, um, either they're going to have to trade him at the deadline or you're going to look at it, try and get him more minutes and assess whether you want to, you know, um, uh, allocate $35 million to somebody who's had that injury history. And maybe it's not the best way to allocate, uh, you know, cap space. It's going to be interesting for them long term. But for this season, I, I don't see them doing anything super drastic except for maybe trading Rozier at the deadline. Where do you see this whole thing shaking out with the Celtics in terms of where they finish uh, in the Eastern Conference pecking order? Because, hey, the East, uh, the top of the East is no joke. The top of the East is no joke indeed. Uh, Kawhi coming to the Raptors is such an interesting thing. Uh, I, I don't know where we stack up right now in a series against a Raptors Kawhi, where, by the way, Lowry is playing better off Kawhi than he did off DeRozan ever so far to start the season. Yep. That's interesting. Not, not unexpected. Uh, the Sixers. With Jimmy there now, obviously their superior talent is there, but I, I don't know how much it changes the whole kind of scheme for them. Well, hold, the hold that they had last Zon, year. Zon, hold, hold that thought because we're going to get into the Jimmy trade in a second. Um, but there's uh, also Milwaukee. And Indiana kind of lingering is like the fifth team, but – if I'm the Celtics, you know, they got to – not that there's ur- a tremendous amount of urgency, but they don't want to h- have to travel on the road in a game seven in a playoff series. And they can finish no, anywhere between not. one to four. And, you know, if they finish four, that's not great. Right, but, but to kind of tie it into what you talked about earlier with Gordon Hayward, I think for them right now it is more important for them to figure out how this rotation works and, and – <laughs> take chances and put Gordon Hayward into crunch time minutes to see how he's handling it to figure themselves out before getting every possible win they can snag. I think that's a, a, a higher a higher importance for them right now. So, of course, you don't want to be on the road. They're definitely good teams, but getting your team right and, and figured out before trying to grab every single one, I think, is, is more important. 
So you're not 100% worried about the Celtics at all? No, I'm not worried about I've never been worried about the Celtics, truly. I've never been worried about the Celtics. The talent in the East has gotten a lot better. It's going to be very interesting to see how everybody matches up with each other. But in terms of where the Celtics are right now, clearly not playing their greatest, clearly having issues, being above 500, uh, you know, playing well against good, even in their losses, playing well for stretches of time. I'm not too worried yet. If there's any locker room strife, if there's anything that pops up to that regard, then we'll see. But these guys are just trying to figure out how, how to get themselves in, in that high gear. Take some time. Well, if there's one guy who's going to be able to figure this out, it's Brad Stevens because, you know, he's got a track record of getting guys to play well together, and, and he's awesome. So as you mentioned uh, just before, just changing gears, um, and and for the record, I think the Celtics will be okay, but it wouldn't surprise me if they ended up fourth in the East, and that's just that, and that's a little tough considering they had kind of championship aspirations. But we'll see how it shakes out. It is it is a little early. Um, you mentioned the Jake Force doesn't ruin championship aspirations, buddy. No it, no, it doesn't, but it makes it a lot harder. It makes it a lot harder. Sure. Um, sure. So we'll see. I mean, there's still a really good team, and uh, of course, as a Knicks fan, I envy your position. Uh, Jimmy Butler, you know, was traded. Uh, so... You, you were just about to get it into that. Um, I just wanted to stop because we're going to devote a little bit of time to uh, Jimmy Butler. When you found out the news uh, of the trade and found out what the package was for Jimmy, who's an all-NBA player, top 15 guy in the league, what were your thoughts? I mean, my first thought when anything, when any player goes to a team like this is, wow, this team was a championship contender. They just got Jimmy Butler. That's just like my first an initial quick thought mm-hmm. there. I'm, I'm interested to see how the different personalities mesh. Uh, Jimmy hasn't always had the easiest time doing that. This is going to be his first time on a on paper championship contender team. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how they all play together. Uh, what I was getting into a uh, you know, earlier before was they, the issues that they had on the court was more than just kind of like what players there are on the team. It was a it was a, a core team issue. Whether it was defensively rebounding, there was clear issues that the Celtics, the, the young guys on the Celtics, uncovered with this uh, Sixers team. If they can bring it all together, all play at the at that at that winning level, obviously this is a crazy scary team, crazy scary. With the way Joel Embiid is playing, maybe the best player in the league beside AD right this second. It's a very scary team. If Ben Simmons learns how to shoot a jumper anytime soon, anytime, I don't see how this team can be really stopped, given the skill set. So you mentioned one of those um, issues, or a couple of those issues. Uh, they were clearly shooting and shot creation at the end of games, when games get tight, because uh, you can throw it into Joel, but he had, he's a little turnover-prone, and, and, and at the end of the game, it's hard for for bigs to be able to, you know, necessarily create their own shot um, sometimes when things get kind of stagnant. Jimmy is a good shooter, not a great shooter, um, but he definitely is one to be able to create his own shot uh, and get his own when when things bog down. And he is a bulldog defensively. So he's going to bring a toughness to that team. Um, and yeah, he he comes with a little bit of baggage and and character issues, but 
I do think that this is a a chance you have to take if you're the Sixers because – Let's face it, with their cap situation, Joel Embiid is just, you know, going to be entering into his monster extension. They only have a small window to get another max guy in there um, and be able to retain guys like Redick and and a couple of other players before Ben Simmons' big extension comes in. So they have, like, a very finite amount of time to do this. And so to be able to pull the trigger on this, you know, now was great because – Basically, this ends the process, right? You know, now you have this collection of talent. You have this core because in all likelihood, they're probably going to be able to sign him in the offseason. This is your team for the next four to five years. Right. I don't know if it's the end of the process, right, because you still need guys like Simmons to grow into what their true potential is. But for this year, it's a very scary team. It's definitely a team I would not be surprised that they get it together and have very close, tough series and beat guys, teams like the Raptors and the Celtics um, in the playoffs. <clears throat> I don't know how they stack against the Warriors. I don't think anybody does. Well, that that's a di- that's a different it's, animal it's right now. It's going to be fun to see that, that team when, it, when it's full. Say that again? I said, yeah, but there, that's a different animal right now. But in fairness, like the Sixers have things that – can neutralize the Warriors like they have. I mean, and again, this is a, we'll, we'll take DeMarcus Cousins out of the equation right now, but they have a big guy who can, you know, neutralize what the Warriors do defensively where they can't play Draymond Green at center in Joel Embiid. They have long, tough defenders in Simmons and, and Butler, and Embiid is one of the best defenders. So, like, if they get there, they can give them problems. But it's a matter of if they have enough shooting. And J.J. Redick has been great for them last year. And he's going to be huge for them this year. And I can't imagine that the Sixers are done making moves. I've heard that they're looking to maybe get Kyle Korver. They're going to be buyout guys who are shooters who are going to be available. And I think they're going to be a prime destination. But when I said about the process was now they're not picking at the top of the draft and and collecting chances at the at you know striking gold in the draft. Yeah, that's fair to say. Absolutely, they they got their their guns in a row here, figuring it out. I don't see them making any kind of with this team like you're like pretty much saying. I don't see them at all trying to make trade for picks or any kind of you know future process decisions. So I would agree with your. With, with the way you find that. So one of their, you know, uh, process decisions who is going to be a little interesting um, going forward is uh, Markel Fultz, who was the number one pick two years ago, uh, who seems to have completely lost his ability to play basketball. Uh, he can't shoot from the outside. He cannot shoot free throws anymore. He pump fakes on his free throws. I'm sure you saw that, and it was just disgusting. Um, This guy is was a a former number one pick who he said it slipped. Did you know that he said he he let it it slipped in his hand? That's why that happened. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, If you looked good from the free throw line before that, then it'd be a different story. I'd buy it. But like, come on now. Brett Brown put Markel Fultz into the starting lineup to build his confidence, putting J.J. Redick to the bench. Markel Fultz has delivered absolutely nothing. 
and has actually hurt them on the floor because they can't space it to the point where Reddick starts the second half and plays most of the second half, and that's when they win games because they make up the ground. What do you do with Markel Fultz now? Because you can't play him with, you know, the new trio. Reddick's got to be in there to space the floor. Like, what do you do with this guy? It's very tough to say. He, it's, one of the, it's a very weird situation. The weirdest. He, he looks completely disengaged. He, I think even now it's, it's safe to say he clearly has skill. Something is up. Something is, is strange here. Um, when when guys, the guys that I can think of, Oladipo, let's just say, when when it's not working in a in a scenario that you're in, the guy clearly has talent. Sometimes it might take a change of scenery. Sometimes it might just take something, someone hitting you in the face. Whatever it might take, it, it, it sometimes it takes a jarring for some players for it to just click all of a sudden. I'm not saying that this is going to happen with this guy, but I've never seen this kind of talent. It's not even just being bad. It's it's the way he's being bad. It's so strange. It's so disengaged. You know, he'll get a crazy fast break dunk. That'll generally even the, the calmest of guys will pump you up a little bit, and there's zero reaction. Like I want to see some kind of emotion out of him. I want to see him engaged in some way and see what he's capable of, but there's something weird and there's something off here. So I, I just want to see him on a different team at this point. So that, I don't think it's working out. So would you send him to the G League? Would you send him to, you know, what would you, so you would trade him? I don't. I don't know what 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 they're seeing in practice. I don't know what the day to day is. If it's a completely different story from practice, from training to game, and you know, got to get his mind right. If the talent is still there, I don't know if I trade him. But if I see that like something, this is just not working, then yeah, I do trade him because it's clearly there's something weird and off here. He's had a couple of chances at it. You know, obviously you're you're a high pick. You're going to get those chances. It's not even necessarily deserved chances though. But like, like you're saying, like we've talked about before, this is a very strange situation. We've never... And I hope it works out for the kids. I was not high on him before the draft. Um, I'm on record of being of not being high on him before the draft, but to forget how to completely play basketball is, is, just, is just crazy to me. I would probably... I would have personally tried to trade him in this Jimmy trade or or any trade, or I would send him to the G League because he's not helping the team in his current state. He he can't help them on the floor. Are you going to trust him to run? You know the second unit. T.J. McConnell has been better than him, and, and now that you've made the Jimmy Butler trade, you've kind of pushed all in. Like you don't have time to say, well, let's see if we can get him straightened out. Like, you have championship aspirations now. You've pushed your chips in. You can't be trying to cater to Markel Fultz and cradle him and move him along. If you didn't make the Jimmy trade, sure, you can try and do that. But you did. So I would send him to the G League because, honestly— I don't know what trademark, what kind of market there is out there to trade him. I, I, I think he has absolutely zero value. I don't think he has, again, I don't think he has zero value. At one point, I just want to bring to it that could potentially help. He's only been playing with a very young core. 
he has a guy, I don't know how good of a, of a role model he is yet, but a guy like Jimmy, who's been in the league a few years, can help guys like Martel. Uh, Joel Embiid, who's a rook, figuring it out for himself, Damon Benson, and they don't really, yes, they're the leaders of the team, but not in the way that veteran leaders are, uh, are leaders of teams. So it's, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know. Have Jimmy very G- high expectations, oh, but I don't know. Jimmy Butler uh, didn't seem to get along with two young teammates who were considered mentally weak in Minnesota. I mean, this could be an absolute disaster. I I would send him to the G League to try and get him playing 35, 40 minutes a night. Just get your stats up. Just dominate competition. Or I'd try and trade him to get something for him because at this point he's a sunk cost um, as a number one pick. Like, he... He's not an asset right now. Ah, it's just, it's crazy to me. I know, I definitely know how you feel about him. I, I can't, def- I've, I've defended him to a degree in the past. I can't defend him anymore. I would love to see how he practices. I would love to see how he trains. To just see what Philly is seeing that gives them the confidence to start him and play him in the minutes that they do. It, it, I, I want to see if it's a different player because what we see is clearly not capable. It, it, the Jimmy Butler trade moved their timelines up for winning, and Markel Fultz doesn't fit in those timelines. He can't. He can't. Contr- he can't help them right now. So, I mean, the other young kids can help them. Landry Shamit's able to help them. He's played well for them, but he also knows how to shoot a basketball. Um, it's just. It's just weird. Um, so yeah, so that's talking about, you know, the Jimmy Butler trade and, um, and all things Sixers. We touched on the Celtics. Um, just give me a, a, a snapshot from around the league. Five things that you, uh, that have caught your eye in the first, uh, 14, 15 games of the season so far. Well, caught my eye, huh? Okay. So I think a, a pretty standard one that everyone is seeing is the insane scoring rate that's taking place. Yep. Uh, I think it has mostly to do with the defense, right, all the different rule changes, but I remember just having conversations in the past with just the friends of fantasy or otherwise just like, oh, remember when the scoring used to be so crazy high, the stat lines were insane? It's back to that. So that's a lot of fun. I like that a lot. Well, but um, it, it's also, it's it's come down a little bit. Like the first week was was astronomical, and now it's starting to level off a little bit because I think teams are are, are figuring out what they're able to do defensively in terms of being physical, what they can get away with, what they can't. But yeah, the, the numbers um, with the freedom of motion are, right. are but the, super but high. Actual, but the actual rule changes are clearly, you know, our benefit to the offense. Which yes. seems to always be getting more and more benefit. With the way people can score nowadays, you know, the way that people can shoot, the way people can get to, to move their bodies, I think we're going to see this nice, fun, high scoring, but yeah. Absolutely, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, another f- couple of fun things are, I think we've talked about this as well, are the starts that the Clippers and Kings are having. Yes. Teams that you don't think that they're going to be anything special. You guys got Gallinari, Errol, uh, Gortat should not be playing. Uh, you got Wheat Lou, this guy Shy. Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Really solid. Play really, really well. So... Interested to see them, but love to see that Fox came in with the Kings and then starting to play really well after an okay, you know, year last year. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein also really fun to see. So I like I like watching the Kings. I like seeing the Clippers as well. 
the Kings uh, are super are super interesting now because obviously they have oh yeah you know exceeded expectations so far. They're above 500. Now I don't think they're going to stay there, but they're clearly not going to be the bottom of the barrel of the league like they've been for the last decade. And they really have something here. You know, De'Aaron Fox has made a second-year jump that's huge. They've got Buddy Heald, who can shoot it. They've got Bogdanovich, who also can shoot it and and score. Marvin Bagley has shown yep. flashes of being a player. Um, Willie Cauley-Stein, now I don't think he's necessarily in their long-term plans because of, you know, Bagley and other play- pieces. Um, but he's shown that he can at least be a real, a really solid player in this league, whether it's for the Kings or for somebody else via trade. The Kings have something going for yeah. them. They really do. Yeah, I mean, uh, most of the guys you mentioned, and Fox, Willie, they're playing the best ball they've ever played. So a lot of the guys you mentioned have been on this team, and it's like, all right, they're the Kings. But they're really playing well, and it's fun to see. I don't know if it's going to last. I don't know if they can continue with the split, but to start the season, seeing the Clippers and the Kings like that's a lot of fun. I mean, and for the Clippers... Uh, really- oh, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say one quick thing on the Clippers. The Clippers are just a solid basketball team. You know, they don't have any stars. They are accumu- They're doing a good job of accumulating assets and cap space that they can make a run in the offseason for somebody who becomes available. Now, who knows who's really going to be available because those guys are few and far between. But they've put themselves in a really nice position, and they play hard. And you know what? Like... I've ragged on Doc Rivers a lot over the years, but he he gets his players to play hard and they play together. And the rookie Gilgis Alexander is excellent. Um, so there there's there's good things going on in Clipperland, which is weird to say because historically that has really never been the case. It's really true. And this guy, Harrell, or Harrell, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah, Montrez Harrell. really get the starter minutes, if he truly does, this guy could be most improved player. Yeah. When it's all said and done. It's a good team. All right, what else you got? Definitely. What else? Um, the Pelicans, man. So we all know they're great, AD, et cetera. But Randall to help in the big man uh, category and Alfred Payton looking the best he's ever looked, in my opinion, to start the season. That's a very formidable team. I think they could potentially be scary if, if everyone's healthy and then doing their thing. Drew is fantastic. Meritich is playing out of his mind. Why can't, even if they don't continue at the clip they're, they're shooting at, that's a very formidable team, wouldn't you say? They're in a very interesting spot. Obviously, they they started out 4-0. They went on like a 4-5 or five game losing streak. Uh, Davis hurt his elbow. Mm-hmm. Um Drew Holiday has been good for them. Miritich has been good for them. Randall has been good for them. Uh, Alfred Pay- Alfred Payton's been okay. He's he's been solid. Uh, he's filling in nicely for what Rondo gave them last year. Um, but they're still like a wing short, and they're shooters short. I mean, they they were in on the Jimmy Butler trades, but they weren't giving up Drew Holiday, and they just they couldn't put a package together. But the looming question right. is, you know, are they going to be good enough to uh, keep um, Anthony Davis uh, in about two years when he's uh, eligible for free agency? Because, you know, he's probably going to – yeah, he's going to – you know, he can very easily win MVP this year. Uh, he is one of the five best players in the league uh, by any standard. 
And it's just, do they have enough shooting? Because it's hard for them because three of their four best players can't play all together. You can't play Randall, Davis, and Miritich out on the floor together because there's just not enough space and there's not enough foot speed defensively. So they're going to be in a weird spot to see what they can do. But they're an interesting team because, you know, Randall's been good, Miritich has been good, and Davis is just otherworldly. So whenever you have him, you have a chance. Well, I think a lot of it, uh, agreed with a, a lot of what you're saying. I think a lot of it is going to rely on Randall, and he's already shown to be really, really his field goal percentage is incredible. If he can make a, a bigger jump than he's made already, and also be a potential most improved player, they could be really solid because you see they don't have shooting, but both him, both Randall and Meritich and AD if needed, and Drew can all shoot the long ball. Yeah, uh, I hear what you're saying in terms of not being able to be on the floor at the same time, but in, in stretches of minutes and crunch time, I could see those three bigs on the floor. They're, they're able to stretch it offensively, and depending on the lineups that they're facing, you know, it's going to yeah. be interesting. But what you're saying about AD in the future is, is going to be the the tell-all. It looms like, over a lot it, of tough teams yeah. out there. It looms over them like a stale fart, and it's like they can finish anywhere from maybe third in the West, or they can be the bottom of the playoff picture and they may not even make it um it's just it's it's going to be interesting with the west because i think the top of the east is way better than the west i mean i think there's golden state and i think the next four best teams are the top four teams in the in the east to be totally honest uh and that leaves seeds two through eight in the western conference playoff picture very wide open so the Pelicans can easily make a run, but if they had if they miss Davis for any stretch of time, extended stretch of time, I mean they're they're in a really tough spot. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. AD is needed on the court for them to succeed. All right, so la- uh, last two because I've kept you uh, long enough, um, and I don't want to yeah. uh, overstate uh, my welcome. Last two, last two things. Uh, no problem. I'm just going to throw two players at you that I'm I'm happy for. Yes. Uh, one is a surprise. One, I don't want to say is a surprise, but I'm happy for. Uh, Zach Levine, at least to start, he slowed down a little bit, but he came out absolutely on fire this season, and I just really like that guy. I like seeing him play well, and I like seeing him play well where he's the man. It was just fun to see him do it. I'm not, certain, not necessarily surprised to see it, but it's a, it's a fun thing to see. Okay, I loved Zach Levine coming out of the draft. I knew he was raw, but I loved him. And I thought that the Celtics, your Celtics, should have taken him at six over Marcus Smart that year. But but whatever. I love Zach Levine. I mean, he scored over 20 points in every single game this year. And he's back from the ACL injury. He's just balling. And he's going to make his first All-Star game this year. He He's awesome. I'm yeah, with you on Zach. Le- I'm I'm with you on Zach Levine. I love Zach Levine, and I got to watch the Knicks and Bulls play. Not necessarily the the best uh, aesthetically pleasing double overtime game, um, but an exciting double overtime game in MSG. And Zach Levine balled out. I, I'm in on Zach Levine. The Bulls are not good this year, but they have some things with Zach Levine and Wendell Carter. You know, those are two young building blocks, uh, and Laurie Markkinen, when he gets back from injury, I mean, hold on one second. The Minnesota Timberwolves 
traded the pick that was Laurie Markkinen, Zach Levine, and Chris Dunn for about a year of Jimmy Butler. Eek. Eek. <laughs> Not good. Not good. Oof. The, tough times in Minnesota. But yeah, I'm I'm in on Zach Levine. And who are the other players? The other guy that I don't necessarily love him as much as I like Zach Levine. I don't know how he is off the floor, uh, off the court. But uh, Derek Rose in this small sample size, playing the way he's playing, is making me happy. I can't lie. <laughs> I loved old school D Rose. Seeing him pull the you know the up and unders, and obviously that crazy scoring night. I don't know how long that looked, a week or so plus. That was just awesome to see him him pull it out. Ah, another guy I've I've crapped all over for the last couple of years, Derek Rose. Uh the redemption story oh, yeah. the redemption story is great. Uh the fifty point game was great. I mean, I, I do think it's a little weird uh when you're playing team basketball that you get super, super emotional about a game like that where you score fifty. But hey, you know what? He his knee issues have been well chronicled. I mean he, he's had mental issues in terms of going away from teams for an extended period of time. He almost retired. So to see him playing well is 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 nice. It's been a nice story for Minnesota who hasn't had a lot to um, really cheer about. The other guy I was, you know, I'll loop in this mix. And he's kind of a different caliber player because he's also an all-NBA player. But DeMar DeRozan in the Spurs just playing exceptional basketball. And DeRozan embracing who he is and Popovich embracing who he is and putting him in spots to succeed and also becoming an, an excellent playmaker for them this year in terms of his vision and passing ability. I'm happy for DeRozan, and it it's the freaking Spurs, man. Every year, the infrastructure is there, and they're just successful, and it, it's mind-blowing. How successful do you see the Spurs being? I mean, how are you judging the level of success for them? I mean, they could be a, a four seed. They could they could win a first round playoff series. Um, I, I think they'll make the playoffs. I, I'm not sure how how far they're going to go, but they can make the playoffs. If they're making the top the, the top half uh, one through four, which I do not see, then they can win that first round. Otherwise. I think, listen, I agree with you. DeRozan's the man. He's gotten better pretty much every year the last five years. Huge fund. L.A. without, I, I don't know if it's without Kawhi, but he seems to be playing a lot better than he's played in San But I don't see that beating these top teams in the West. Or, you know. Well, who Well, who are the top, who are your, your top four teams in the West? Okay, so... It's obviously we are 13 games or so into the season. It's a pretty small sample size. My estimation of what it was preseason really hasn't changed. I think that the top teams are still going to be the Rockets, given their issues that we've seen early on the season. It's going to be the Rockets, obviously the Warriors. Uh, I see the Thunder taking a turn, taking the top. And like I was mentioning earlier, I think a team like the Pelicans can come in and potentially make some noise. Obviously, you got uh, the Blazers as a top team in there, a lot of other good teams, but I think those are going to be the ones when, that are going to be near the top. I'm, I'm forgetting the Lakers, but I think the Lakers are going to be near the top as well. That That's a lot of teams you just mentioned to be at the top. They can't all be at the top. Um, but 
Uh, and and obviously the Nuggets have started out really hot. The Jazz are are an interesting team. I mean, it's just it, two through ten in the West is going to be a dogfight. It's just going to be an absolute dogfight at the end of the year. Correct. And um, I think the two through five is the, is some order of Thunder, Lakers, Pelicans, Blazers. That's my two through five. I love it. I love the demise of the Houston Rockets. I'm all for it. I'm for it. Yes. Yes. Give me all the Houston demise takes. Yes. I'm for it. Let's go. But, but, but again, if, if two through ten is, is a dogfight, whoever finishes anywhere is just as good as the next team. So it's not really demise of Houston, but I hear you. Yeah, I mean, let, look at la- look at last year after the Rockets and Warriors, uh, three through nine were separated by like four games in the standings. It's going to yeah, be a uh, wild, wild finish, and I be a lot of fun. can't wait to talk about it more uh, on this podcast Listen, going forward. This is forward. the best part of the season. The playoffs are not nearly as fun as right now. I I agree with you uh, to a degree. Also, I mean, this is this is where it's at. Anyway, Zon, I've had you. Long enough. Uh, I always appreciate talking hoops with you. Uh, it's always a pleasure, and we're going to do this again in a couple of weeks. Uh, can't wait to do it um, moving forward, and thanks so much for your time, dude. Always, my man. Have a good one. Speak to you. Bye. All right. Thanks again to my good friend and recurring guest, Zonvi Grauman. Always a pleasure to talk hoops with him. Uh, fantastic stuff. And that's episode 37 for the love of the game. NBA season is the best. Take us out, Hove and Yeezy. Being Joe Blow to everybody on your no. I bought my whole family whips, no Vovos. Next time I'm in church, please, no photos. Police escorts, everybody passports. This the life that everybody asked for. This a fast life, we are on a crash course. What you think I rap for? The push up rap for? But I know that if I stay stunting, all these girls only gon' want one thing. I can spend my whole life goodwill hunting. Only good gon' come is it's good when I'm got an ass that'll swallow up a G-string, and up top, um, two beastings, and I'm beasting off the Riesling, and my just made it out the precinct, we give a damn about the drama that you do bring, I'm just trying to change the color on your mood ring, Reebok, baby, you need to try some new things, have you ever had shoes without shoestrings, what's that, yay, baby, these heels, is that a made what? Baby, these wheels, you tripping when you ain't sipping, have a refill, you're feeling like you're running, huh? Now you know how we feel. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.